and welcome to the Unmistakably Magic Podcast. I am your host, Court, and this week, I have another question, and I want to know, what is immersion? We hear it all the time, oh wow, we have the the latest and greatest in the the most immersive land, or we have the most immersive attraction, or you're going to feel so immersed or engrossed into the world of blank. Well, I'll give my answer today, but as always, I want to hear from you. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? What do you think immersion is? Let me know either on Twitter at UnmistakablyMag, email at UnmistakablyMagic at gmail.com, or leave a comment down below. This is a really touchy subject for me, if you haven't been able to tell already. Gets thrown around a lot. So what is immersion? Let's talk. Starting off, there are so many different definitions of immersion. And if you ask someone off the street, they'll probably tell you something different than what a theme park enthusiast would tell you, or a designer, or an advertiser. Everybody views it differently. But I think that there has been a gross misuse of the word immersion, or immersive, particularly when it comes to advertising experiences. I mean, we can basically assume at this point that whatever, whenever a new theme park attraction or land opens up and it doesn't really seem to matter what the attraction is or even the level of detail or if there's an IP involved or not or anything, pretty much everything seems to be quote-unquote immersive. I mean, let's look at Six Flags, for example. I think we can all agree that we don't always associate immersion with that company and their products. And I'm not saying that they don't create immersive rides. There are a couple. But in the past several years, they have been boasting about making their roller coasters immersive by adding VR. Or look at Elitch's dark ride, Kaleidoscape. It has been advertised as an immersive art landscape. What does that even mean? What is an immersive art landscape? Can I go to the my uh, city's art museum and be immersed in an art in an art landscape? Is that what they're saying? Are they saying, "Hey, we have art here, and you can view it, and it's available"? Like, what what does it mean? I would argue that while the rides themselves are immersive and interactive, the overall experience that they offer is not immersive. I think that some rides can be very immersive and not offer a immersive experience overall. So I think that's a little bit of false advertising, but also the ride itself is still immersive. But like, what about the queue and what about everything else? I, ugh, it's frustrating. It's thrown around so much that it's lost its meaning. I mean, let's look at Kraken Unleashed VR at SeaWorld Orlando. There was a really fun, really intense roller coaster that had VR attached to it, and it was being touted as immersive. And let's break that down what that immersive, quote-unquote, experience was like. And I'm not ragging on SeaWorld. There were several parks all over the world doing a very similar thing. 
I mean, Six Flags basically had two full years of VR and advertising, all of those experiences as new immersive experiences, even though they were the same exact thing across the board, where you'd ride whatever roller coaster was somewhat thrilling, kind of struggling, starting to hit its kind of peak of popularity or coming down off of that peak. And look at that, you're, you're in some cityscape now and you're trying to get away from aliens or supermans fighting whoever. It's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And I don't know if those are still happening right now. I hope they're not. I hope Six Flags wised up and said, yeah, we're, we're kind of done uh, doing those VR experiences. I think everything's kind of phased out by now. They were so big when they were coming along and then they just kind of fell off into nothing. And does your immersion fall off into nothing then? I don't know. Let's let's see i i wouldn't qualify it as the overall experience was immersive and jumping back to kraken unleashed you walk under the main sign and enter a brief outdoor queue all right where is the underwater where do i see the kraken where does the story start but we're outside so maybe when we get inside it'll be a, a bit better well, when we go inside, we're greeted with some painted walls, a couple of TVs showing us how the VR works and how to put it on. There's a couple of details to slightly suggest that we're in like a marine study center thing. We see the roller coaster train pull in and we board, put on our VR headset, and then, at least in my opinion, that's when we become immersed. <clears throat> we, we look around... And we're in the marine center, we see instruments, we see lights, we see the body of water that we'll be going into shortly. We are put into another world, at least visually and audibly. And there's a difference between being fully immersive and just immersive, or plain old immersive. We like to say that we have five senses. We, we have several more than that, but let's stick with five. Like, why do we accept to be immersed when you just need to be transported by your senses of sight and sound? Like, that, that used to be the standard. And I think as the industry has grown, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but as the industry has grown, our definition of immersive has changed and, and evolved and grown with it. And I think that's how we as fans push the industry further a little bit on, on our own. So, why do we only accept that sight and sound are the only two that need to be immersed? Why not smell or touch or taste? What happened to all of those senses? And I think that in order to be immersed, all of your senses must be used. Now, does that mean that you can go around and touch, taste, and smell every VR roller coaster track? No, of course not. I'm not saying to create an immersive experience, every sense must be taken into account. However, I think for a fully immersive experience, every sense needs to be taken into account and for the overall experience. And so let's look at the one that I think created a very solid case for a fully immersive area first, and that'd be the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And they, they did a pretty good job. I mean, you're not only transported visually and audibly into the world of Harry Potter, that soundtrack is blaring everywhere, all over that land. And 
you're definitely there. You hear owls um, all over the place. You hear birds. There's different visual cues. Like you, you, you see the the world of Harry Potter, and you're walking around in it, and it's really cool. But you can also experience more things. Like you can touch the buildings. You can touch you. There's there's like the <clears throat> the wall in the middle. That's like for seating, I guess, to sit down. Um, I don't know if that was its intentional, intended use, but a lot of people use it for that. So you can sit down in the world of Harry Potter. You can touch, you you feel the the cobblestone, the the different way that the the path feels underneath your feet. You can smell all the food that is being made and going into three bro- three broomsticks or Hogshead. You can go and smell everything that they're making and it smells so different than just regular theme park food or what you're used to on your day-to-day and you can taste that food and you can taste the butterbeer something that you really can't get anywhere else there's plenty of knockoff butterbeer but i don't think anything really truly tastes like it except for in the wizarding world of harry potter you are truly in the world of the boy who lived You can go into Hogwarts, take a ride on the express, eat a chocolate frog, listen to a hat tell you which house you're in. You can feel the breath of a dragon, smell the culinary mysteries, create your own magic using your own wand that chose you. You get to participate in a world that you have entered. And I believe that's the part of immersion that so many companies and so many people overlook. Yeah, you can be immersed if all of your senses are used, but taking that immersion and going above and beyond is where I think that you are fully immersed. Participation in my book is just as important as sight lines, as audio cues, as the flavor of a signature beverage, as important as the anchoring attraction itself. And you get this participation in the Wizarding World with wands and by interacting with various characters throughout the lands. But this is also kind of where I feel like they fell short a little bit. Universal, and to give them full credit, they were the first ones to do this and do it very, very well. However, they kind of stuck a little bit too much into their theme park roots. And... I don't know, they just didn't achieve that immersion super, super well, or to the best that it could have been. And that's totally fine. There's always room for improvement. There's always room to be better. There's always room to learn something. And I think Disney looked at that. And they were like, we can do this a little bit better. And they took a stab at it with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And let's, let's analyze that level of immersion just a little bit. Uh, I would I would say that it has more immersion than Harry Potter. But wait, I hear you say, does that mean that Harry Potter is in a fully immersive land then? How can one be full immersion and the other be more than full immersion? I think Harry Potter really hits the minimum requirements to be fully immersed. Yeah, you're transported into the world and you really are in it. But what about the characters? What about adding yourself into the overall story? And I don't think Harry Potter really does a great job of accomplishing that. And I think they do a decent job. 
yeah, there's a few roaming characters in the Wizarding World, but I mean, the main characters that you interact with aren't naturally discovered. You have to wait in the line to meet the train conductor or stick around after a show to meet and chat with the frog choir. And maybe you'll get lucky and run into a team member who really, really loves Harry Potter. So they talk to you a bit about life in the wizarding world. But there really aren't any canon characters interacting with you. And I think that's where Star Wars has the edge. Ha <laughs> see what I did there. I mean, you can run into Kylo Ren or Stormtroopers or a First Order officer or Chewbacca or R2-D2 or Vi, and you get to choose who you want to help. You can lead the First Order to the Resistance Spy, or you can help hide the Resistance Spy. You actively play a part in the land and in the story of the land. You're really experiencing a unique story, and you're helping build that story. And this isn't a Universal versus Disney episode. This is an episode about immersion. We've covered what immersion is, how it can be done, how it can be done even better. But what about the fake immersion? Well, that's really simple, actually. Like I said earlier, there are some requirements to be immersive. Mainly, you must have all of your senses engaged in the land or attraction, as well as you must be able to, to participate in the land or attraction. And so does strapping a VR headset on a roller coaster suddenly make it immersive? Technically, but I wouldn't say so in my book. I mean, it makes it more immersive in, into the overall story of the coaster, which that's assuming it has one. There are plenty that don't. However, I don't think it makes it fully immersive. Let's jump back over to Kraken VR over at SeaWorld Orlando again as a simple example. <clears throat> The coaster has a story already, and the VR plays to that and adds a visual and audio element to that story while you're on the ride. But you don't smell anything or taste anything. You can look around and have small amounts of participation through that, I, I guess. You can view different things, but you're not like actively interacting, and I don't really think that counts as participation. Which means attractions have a really, really, really hard time of being fully immersive. So, I don't know, did, do any attractives really claim to be fully immersive to begin with? I can't think of any off the top of my head, or in doing any research for this episode, and maybe I missed one or two, let me know, um, but if I did, I don't know, I, I don't believe many do. A few of the extreme haunted houses, they do, and in various press releases, the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run attraction was deemed fully immersive, and while most things are checked off of the requirements laid out earlier, you aren't encouraged or directly told to taste any part of that attraction. And I'm not saying to do anything. I mean, you could, I guess, lick the Falcon, but that'd be disgusting and is not advised in any way, shape, or form, and you'll probably, I don't know, get a little ill or something like that. I don't it, That'd be nasty. Uh, but the rest of the requirements are checked off. I mean, you see the Falcon, you hear the ship and the goal of the mission, you feel the rumble of the ship, and every time you, your pilots hit something, you definitely feel the ricochet there. You smell the inside of it, and you can touch pretty much everything inside of it. You are immersed in this ship and in the attraction itself. 
And while you aren't told to lick or consume anything as part of the attraction, I would argue that the attraction still provides a very, very, very high level of immersion. So is there an attraction that has full immersion? In my opinion, I, I say no. At least not one in a theme park. I'm sure there's some attractions that are extreme haunted houses that require you to use all of your senses, but I don't think that counts for what we're talking about. I don't even think that there can be a fully immersive attraction with these guidelines. So let's make some different ones for attractions. And I understand, you know, what's the point in making different uh, different guidelines, different requirements for things to be uh, fully immersive. You got to understand what you're looking at here. I mean, <clears throat> unless you can come up with a way to where you can have every single one of your senses stimulated while on an attraction I don't think you'll ever get, you're ever going to get a fully immersive attraction and people will argue with you day and night about fully immersive attractions and I I think that there are some attractions that are far more immersive than others because of the guidelines that I'm about to lie out or the requirements that I'm about to lie out and I think that in order for an attraction to be immersive or fully immersive at that, it needs to check off five of the six. So that means that very, very few attractions that are currently built are fully immersive. But there are so many new and upcoming attractions that meet that very, very high standard. It's pretty standard nowadays to engage most of the senses, but the hard part is the participation. And when I say five of the six, I mean engage most of your senses and be participation or and and have some participation element um and so most attractions i would say give up on the taste section of it however they they give you smells they give you sights they give you that sense of touch that feel um they give you sight i think i said that already they, they engage your your ears in some manner I mean, let's look at look at the Incredicoaster. I would say that that's a, a fairly immersive roller coaster. I don't think it's a full story roller coaster like Hagrid's is. Um, but you you feel so many uh, accelerations, and that's just standard on a roller coaster. So roller coasters check off the the sense of feel or the feeling, touch, whatever you can touch the roller coaster. If you want to get really nitpicky about it. Um, but you, it crosses off touch, it crosses off sight, you're on a roller coaster, crosses off sound, you, you hear the roller coaster, but with the Incredicoaster, it takes it to that next level where the story is engaged throughout the coaster. You're chasing after Jack-Jack, you're, you're getting yelled at or, or told where he's going, or you're, you're running alongside the, the Incredibles family, and you're helping them find Jack-Jack. And so... You, you have that audio bit as well. You have the sight, you have the sound, you have the touch, you have that feeling, and then you get up that, that big lift hill and you get that smell of the cookie. And I would say that that is one of the most immersive roller coasters or as immersive as a roller coaster can really get because I don't really know how you can participate in a coaster unless you do one of the coasters that has like the the squirting guns on it uh the water guns or like the water bombs that were somewhat popular in in some um 
water parks around the world, but I don't know. It's so hard to be such a fully immersive attraction. And I think it's pretty standard nowadays to engage most of the senses. And that just goes to show that the hard part is the participation. I mean, you can engage most of the senses on a roller coaster nowadays, and you just can't quite get that participation. And I think Disney kind of realized that, and they, they started engaging their guests a little bit more in, in the attraction. And they did that with the Midway Mania attraction back in 2008 and built upon it and maybe even mastered it with Smuggler's Run. And Universal saw that. And they're coming after Disney and coming after us, really, with Super Nintendo World and their Mario Kart attraction. And when I say coming after us, I mean us, the fans, us, the people who enjoy going to the parks, who who do it every year, who do it however frequently we can do it. Um, and, and they're pushing us, or we're pushing them to make better attractions, to engage us more and more and more. And I think that the theme park battles have taken a turn. They're no longer about making the, the tallest, fastest, or most intense attraction, but about making the most immersive land or attraction or area, really. They're finding new ways to be interactive and are pushing each other to be more immersive and to engage the guest more and more. And I don't think it's just the theme parks pushing each other. I think that the guests themselves, that's us, we, are pushing the parks more than the parks are pushing themselves. I mean, let, so let's think about this. Whenever you walk into a park, you're no longer only entertained by that park's attractions and offerings. You have so many distractions at the tip of your fingers, in the palm of your hand. Your phone has become the center of a battle for your attention. And the parks have to adapt and become more immersive to compete with your phone. Is that a bad thing? Or should the parks use your phone as part of the experience? I think that's, that's some, those are some questions to be answered in a later episode. But I hope that I told you, help, I hope that I shed some light on what immersion really is and, and how some of it's better than others or, or what it actually means to be immersed. And if it was a little confusing, if I rambled a little bit too much, to break it down for you, in order for something to be fully immersed, all your senses must be engaged. Plain and simple as that. Like you, you have to taste the butterbeer or the blue milk or the food or whatever. Um, you, you, you have to be able to see something different, something new that you don't get to see very often or ever. You have to feel something unique or, or a physical change. Um, you have to be able to touch something or have the option to touch something. Let's, let's look at um, Rise of the Resistance, which many, many, many people are touting as the most immersive attraction ever built. <clears throat> Does it check off everything? I, I don't know. So you walk into the queue and the, the attraction really is very unique, let's say. Um, I've only been able to experience it once at this point. Um, 
But once you get into, and I don't really want to spoil much or anything, but I mean, you have to experience it yourself. And I honestly, truly don't think that telling you what happens in the attraction really spoils anything because it nothing can ever do it justice it is an amazing outstanding attraction um so let's see our five senses touch taste uh sound uh sight and oh man i'm blanking i need to go back to um <laughs> i need to go back to uh uh, kindergarten and smell uh, so smell touch taste sight and sound okay does rise of the resistance hit all of those well you you can smell what it's like to be on the inside of a star destroyer so kind of yeah I guess or on the inside of a rebel base that's dug into a cave or into a cliffside so yeah, okay, we got smell. Uh, you can touch the Star Destroyer. I when I first got on, or you can touch even the transport ship, or touch uh, the Rebel base stuff. It's so cool. Um, taste? I don't think so. You can't taste anything unless you want to argue that you can taste the air. But I don't know. It, it's I think that's too much of a stretch. Um, but sight, you are definitely visually transported into another world, honestly. And sound, you are very audibly transported into another sound. Or another another space, another area, another planet, another um another spot in the universe. It's so mind boggling bogging bogglingly cool the way that they do it. Um and so I think that uh, Rise of the Resistance is a very immersive attraction. But what about the participation? Well, there's very minimal participation. Um, the interaction between the First Order officers and yourself is really just a given at any point. And really, honestly, the, the Rebel or the uh, Resistance officers and yourself i don't know are they resistance officers is that what they're called resistance members and yourself those are also very just a given so you have that little bit of interaction between them and you do participate a little bit in between there but i don't know on the ride itself you don't actually do anything you're it's still a very passive thing and you get you get awarded i guess because they tell you congratulations and for what you you didn't do anything so i think the overall experience is you could argue is a fully immersive experience for an attraction however once you're on the attraction itself i don't know because that that participation level just isn't there but i think it's still a killer killer awesome ridiculously cool attraction and i don't know i don't know how you could make it any better or make it make it so that you do something on the attraction unless you actually steer around a little bit kind of a hybrid between millennium falcon and what's currently there at rise of the resistance i don't know so i don't know i i hope i shined a little bit of a light on what 
immersion is and how it should actually be used. I mean, at this point, immersive is such a touted word. It's it's thrown around so much. Look at any press release in the last five years. Everything is, oh, this fully immersive or this immersive land or you're going to be immersed in. Like, honestly, at this point, we could go to a, a grocery store and say, oh, wow, I'm fully immersed. If that's what the standard has dropped down to. And I I don't like that. I, I hope that this kind of starts a little bit of a conversation or something to heighten that standard again. Make it make it legitimate. Make it a legitimate claim once again. Hashtag make immers- immersion immersive again. Um, I, it's so frustrating. Well, thank you for listening to the Unmistakably Magic podcast and for listening to me rant a little bit there at the end. Uh, I, it's such a touchy subject for me. I don't like it when people say, something and then don't fully deliver on it like i i have expectations when you use the word immersive or you some derivation of it i ah. if you enjoyed this episode give us a like on facebook or follow us on instagram we are at unmistakably magic on both or head over on to twitter where we are at unmistakably mag you can find all of our old episodes on youtube just search unmistakably magic And feel free to reach out to us on any of our socials or shoot us an email at unmistakablymagic at gmail.com. I I hope I was able to shed some light on why immersion or the word immersion or immersive or immersed, why they are so touchy and, and why there needs to be a little bit of a definition and why why what that definition is um but i want to hear from you all what do you think immersion is what is truly immersive to you and do you have different standards and requirements uh shoot me an email or reach out on any of the socials let's have that conversation let's have a conversation and i don't it's uh i might do another episode on this later on talking about why it grinds my gears so much but it just really does it's overused it's not used properly and i hope that changes in the future uh but that just about wraps it up this week i hope you have a magical week and i'll see you real soon